you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. If you have a Bible, uh, take it and turn to John chapter 20, and we're going to go through verses 1 to 18 uh, this morning. You know, I can think of a lot better ways to celebrate Easter, uh, but I cannot think of a better message than the message of Easter to share in the times that we are that we are living in right now. You know, there's no other place that you can go, no other place where you can find the hope that you need to overcome the fear and the worry and the death that this COVID-19 virus is, is causing in the world. There's no other person in the world. There's no other religion, no other scientific discovery, no medicine, no doctor, uh, no professional, no government, no other place that you can go to find the hope you need today. Uh, and that's what we want to offer you today is hope. Uh, it's the kind of hope that doesn't get defeated. It doesn't go up and down with every other headline. It's, it's the kind of hope that uh, withstands the storms of life. Uh, it's the kind of hope uh, that doesn't fade um, because it's in the living God. And so my prayer for you this morning is that you uh, would be able to discover the hope of Easter uh, and uh, that you would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is with you and he is for you and he is all you need. So if that is going to happen, uh, let's pray and ask the Lord uh, to work in our hearts as we hear his word today. Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, this morning and we are celebrating the most incredible miracle that has ever happened in the history of our world, and we're thankful for the Bible that that has preserved this uh, this day for us, this day in history, and the miracle that it records. And uh, we would pray as we go through these words. Some, uh, for some, they're going to be familiar words, and for others, uh, maybe not so familiar. Uh, but we pray that to, to everyone who hears it, that you would speak to us through your word, and that you would. Uh, Cause us uh, to take a step toward you today and receive the hope uh, that you have uh, for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Andy Crouch was an author and he, he wrote in Christianity Today, Human beings can live 40 days without food, 4 days without water, 4 minutes without air, but we cannot live 4 seconds without hope. Swiss theologian, uh, a Swiss theologian named Emil Brunner said, What oxygen is to the lungs, such is hope to the meaning of life. And so that sounds like hope is, is one of the basic necessities for our life. And I'm just thinking whether we realize it or not, a lot of our life runs on hope. Hope is an emotion, and it's common, and so when we experience it, we may not recognize it as hope, but when we lack it, everything that we try to do is hard. You know, for instance, uh, when a new day starts, sun's coming up, your alarm goes off, you're laying there in bed, and um, whatever that day holds, you know, if, if you have high hopes for the day um, or no, no hope for the day, it makes it easy or hard to get out of bed. 
Um, maybe you've got some plans on your calendar, and they're outdoor plans, and you know you've you've got it on the calendar. Your family's going to come, um, and you're looking ahead to the weather. And you're wondering about the weather. You get a good weather report, you get hope for that day. That it's going to be a good day. Uh, maybe you're following a football team that's trying to rebuild their roster with some free agency trading. And, you know, they've done some moves and now you've got a little hope for the season that's coming up. Uh, or maybe uh, you start hearing these headlines about a second wave of the, of the virus coming in the fall and your hope seems to be dashed for the football season. So hope, it's part of our life. It's kind of everywhere um, in every part of our life, from our health, jobs, to our dreams, to our freedom, uh, to our family. It's all over the place. Now, we know all about emotions. Emotions come and go. They go, they go up and down. And so hope can be kind of fragile sometimes since, it's, since it is an emotion. But the strength of your hope, um, the consistency of it, 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 it all depends on where your hope lies, where, who your hope is in or what you're putting your hope in. So, for instance, when your hope is in a weather report uh, or a doctor or a new medicine, it's not a very strong hope. Uh, when your hope is in the president or the Congress or the next election, uh, you're, you don't have a very strong hope. When, you, when you've got your hope in a quarterback or in, in some kind of new technology or uh, in anything that this world has to offer, uh, it's not a very strong hope. Your hope is destined to evaporate. But when you put your hope in the living God, the one who has conquered the grave, the one who is over this crazy world, your hope is going to be never-ending. It's going to be a hope that never dies. It will stick with you all throughout the day. It will be there at night when you go to sleep. That's the kind of hope that Jesus offers us. Do you know that kind of hope? Well, here in John uh, chapter 20, um, he tells us about this special morning. And we're going to go through there because it will lead us to discovering and celebrating the hope of Easter. So in verses 1 and 2 of John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene is there and she's on her way to the tomb. And what she finds there describes exactly why hope is a necessity for life. It's an emergency for hope. So here's what that says. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early uh, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So verses 1 and 2. So Mary has just had the worst weekend of her life. Uh, her master Jesus was arrested, betrayed by one of his friends. He was turned over to the Jewish authorities, and, and then he was killed on a Roman cross. And Mary witnessed all of this. Now, we know that Mary had been cleansed of seven demons by Jesus. And so, when, in other words, what we know about Mary is that she was a really messed up person before Jesus touched her in a powerful way. And so ever since that, then, she, was, she has been a devoted follower of Christ. Even when all of Jesus' disciples ran away except for John, she was there with John and Jesus' mother at the cross through all that suffering when Jesus died. And now she's the first one to go back to the cemetery. So it's early in the morning, and Jesus died on a Jewish holiday called the Sabbath. And so when, when he died, they could not or did not have time 
to prepare Jesus' body for um, burial. And so uh, Mary's going back to finish uh, the preparations that they started before the Sabbath. And so when she gets there, she finds that the stone is rolled away and the body's gone from the tomb and, and she goes into panic mode. I mean, she's thinking someone stole it. And so she goes running back to, to the disciples, to Peter and John, and she's like, they've taken his body we, and we don't know where it is. I mean, the, the sirens are going off in her life. There's no hope in her voice. And who, who could blame her? I mean, the one that she loved is dead and gone. They've stolen his body and they don't know where it is. This is her emergency. Well, when was your last emergency? When was your last emergency? When was the last time you got some news that made you hit the panic button? You know, you may, maybe for many of you, you're, you're in the middle of that with this COVID virus. You know, you, maybe you know people uh, who are uh, struggling to, uh, to, to get better from the, from the virus. Maybe you've been tested and you're waiting for the results to see if you have it. Um, maybe uh, you've been laid off from your job and, and, uh, or, or it's looking like it's not, not good that if this lockdown continues, your job will continue. Uh, maybe you've lost half, half the value of your stock portfolio uh, because of this virus. It, whenever you face circumstances that are beyond your control, that you can't do anything about, that's when we feel that emergency come up in our life. Um, our basement at home, um, it, it used to flood a couple of times a year. And, uh, you know, there was big rain and, and, uh, and then it would, you know, we'd go down there and we, oh, there's, you know, water in the basement again. Well, our basement was built with some, with some doors. And then on the outside of those doors was this huge concrete ramp and a truck could back down and then unload things. My grandpa, which this was his house when he built it, um, he was in the bridge building business. So he would use the basement to store things in. And so there's some doors and then this basically a huge concrete funnel for rainwater. Uh, so uh, I, I happened to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, it was it was it was just this huge rainstorm, you know, a real frog strangler. You know that you know that that, that you know that kind of rainstorm. Well, I, I was in the right. I ran down to the basement and I, I went to the doors and I and I watched this concrete funnel do exactly what it was meant to do. It collected all of this rainwater and this huge wall of rainwater comes down, hits the doors and comes over the sill. And I'm standing there in the middle of my basement, and I'm watching about an inch of water cover about two-thirds of the basement. And there was not anything I could do except go find higher ground. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I mean, we live in this world where we're going to come on some emergencies that are bigger than us. Uh, The floodwaters of trouble are going to come into our life, and there's nothing we can do about it. That's our emergency. And when you've got an emergency like that that makes you feel helpless, you don't want to be hopeless. Because when you're hopeless, life doesn't seem like it's worth living. Mary Magdalene had one of those helpless moments at the tomb. When the floodwaters of Jesus' body being gone hits her, panic ensues, and she runs for help. When was your last emergency? When you felt helpless. Now, I know that that can look a lot different from person to person, but that feeling of helplessness is is the same for everybody. Now, there is one emergency 
that every single one of us will have to face one day. Uh, it's, a, it's a day coming for every single one who can hear me and for everybody who can't hear me. There's a day coming when we will be fighting a battle, a losing battle, with death. All of us are going to face that, and we will be helpless. Maybe it will be the virus in 2020. Maybe it will be cancer next year. Or maybe this fight with death will happen years down the road for you. But right now, for every one of us, the rain is falling in our life, and the floodwaters of death are rising for every one of us right now. And one day, that's going to come rushing in, and we won't be able to stop it. When we have to face the emergency of death in our lives or in the lives of others, there is only one place that you can go for hope. Now, the scriptures continue in verses 3 to 7, and that leads us to a a different kind of response uh, to an emergency. Uh, They describe what happens when hope kicks in. In the middle of that. So it's an experience of hope right in the middle of a flood. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. So Peter and John, they answer Mary's 911 call, and they go running to the cemetery. They're two of Jesus' closest friends. And it sounds like John was a better uh, runner. He sounds like he's in better shape than than Peter was, because he beats him uh, to the tomb. And he gets there, and he stands outside the tomb looking in, and he describes what he sees. Uh, now, that, was, that would be something pretty troubling uh, right there. The emergency sirens uh, should be going off in John's life. I mean, if you think about it, yesterday you went and you had a funeral at the cemetery and you left a body there and you go back the next day and it's gone. So that is, that is an emergency. I mean, sirens will be going off in, in, your, in your life. Um, so John, he sees the claws that are wrapped, that wrap Jesus' body lying there in a heap. Uh, Peter eventually catches up, and you know, being Peter, he just barges right into the tomb, and, and he sees the same thing. He sees the cloths that wrap Jesus' body lying in, in a pile, but he also sees this, this napkin, this, this cloth that was wrapped around Jesus' head, and it was neatly folded, separated uh, from, this, from the claws. Now, all of that is detail that tells us that Jesus' body was not stolen by grave robbers, which, by the way, was was a common crime back in the day. Um, grave robbing and even just moving the stone from the front of a tomb was eventually punishable by death. And so it was a, it was a problem. So if the thieves, if thieves would have come to take Jesus' body, uh, they would not have left, they would have t- not taken the time to unwrap his body and leave the claws there and especially fold the napkin up neatly uh, beside, beside that heap. If, if, they, if grave robbers would have come, everything would have been gone. They would have been in and out. Now, verses 8 and eight to 10. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So Peter's boldness gave John the courage 
to go in to the tomb. And he saw and he believed. Even though he didn't understand that Jesus needed to rise from the dead, and you know they'd been told that in the past, but they never understood it. John saw and he believed. And that is the experience of hope in the middle of an emergency. He saw these, this empty grave. He saw the grave clothes lying there. And his hope kicked in that Jesus was alive. And he believed. Even after watching him die on the cross. So when, when emergencies in our life, when they, when they hit us, when, they, when the floodwaters come in, they, they render us helpless. They don't have to make you hopeless. So when you look at the cemetery... When you look at the cemetery, when you think about the end of life for you or someone else, you don't have to have an emergency. You can have an experience of hope that turns off all of that and keeps you in perfect peace. There was a lady that uh, came to our church a few years ago. Um, she came for a while. Her name was Joanne King. And uh, there was a time when she was feeling pretty run down physically, and so she was going to the doctor to try to figure out what was going on. And eventually they found a tumor in her lung that proved to be cancerous. And so she was going through chemotherapies one Easter season, and I asked her if she would share about what she was going through and, uh, and the hope that she had. And so here, listen to, uh, listen to what she had to say. Can you hear the hope, the experience of hope? In her voice there, I mean, the floodwaters of cancer have risen in her life. She's in the middle of chemotherapy treatments. She doesn't know if, uh, you know, she's going to beat that cancer or not at the time, but she's not worried. She's talking about glorifying God. She's talking about her life is in Jesus' hands. I mean, she's not just an optimist here. She is experiencing hope in the midst of an emergency, and that's... Because of who her hope was in. Now that leads us to the last section of scripture here. Verses 11 to 18. And the encounter with hope. I mean how do you get to the place where Joanne is in her life? And how do you get to the place. How do you go from hopelessness to hope in the middle of a storm. In the middle of an emergency in your life. Well let's follow Mary uh, and see what happens to her. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, and at the head, and one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. She, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. So Peter and John, they they go back home after being at the tomb. But Mary's still standing there and she's crying, weeping at, at the mouth of the tomb, sobbing her eyes out, hopeless and helpless. 
And she looks in and sees two angels in the tomb. Now, that in and of itself, it's amazing. She didn't just turn away and run screaming. And one of them asks her, why are you crying? Mary says, because Jesus is dead and gone. You know, that angel wasn't asking Mary why she was crying because he needed to know. He was asking her why she was crying because there was no need to cry. He knew something that Mary didn't know. God wasn't dead. In fact, he was standing right behind her. And as soon as Mary turned around, she sees Jesus standing there. Now, she doesn't know him yet. She can't recognize him yet. And Jesus asked her the same question. Why are you crying? Who are you seeking? But he's not looking for the answer either. He's wanting to lead her to an encounter with hope. She thinks he's the gardener and wants to know if he's taking Jesus' body somewhere and so she can go get it and, and bring it back, uh, bring it back to the, to the grave. And Jesus then speaks Mary's name. And Mary's name. And then her spiritual blindness falls away. And she's able to see the resurrected Christ. So all of a sudden, this helpless, hopeless person is rescued from her emergency and she shouts out, teacher. This is her encounter with hope. Now, Mary's encounter, it is still happening today. Uh, in fact, it's happening right now all over the world. Uh, people in their living rooms are having an encounter with hope for the first time. The encounter goes very much the same as Mary's. God uses messengers to get people's attention, to get the word out. He wants to know, why are you hopeless? Your emergency is not an emergency. God is not dead. Jesus is risen. The messengers, they come in different forms. Uh, Mary got two angels. Uh, God uses people. God uses preachers. Uh, God uses his creation to get your attention. He, he will use the Bible he will use the emergency themselves to get you to turn around. That's what he's saying. What he's saying is, why are you crying? Why are you striving? There is no emergency. I am here. I am alive. So God is working today to get people to turn around like Mary did. Now, the biggest emergency that people have in their lives is their sin. And see, we're all human beings and we, we all mess up. And it's something we've inherited from the first human beings, Adam and Eve. They, they gave us a tendency to want to go do life our own way, uh, to leave God out of it, to go kind of kind of go do our own thing. But God is the one who created us and he created us for his good pleasure, wanting us to know him, wanting us to have a relationship with him. But our mistakes, our messes, our sins, they get in the way of having that relationship. And so ever since Adam and Eve, God has been working a plan to get people to turn around and come back to him. And that plan has a name. It's Jesus. The reason that our, our mess-ups are such a huge emergency for us is that we can't do anything to clean them up, even, even though we might try. Um, it, it would be like me in my basement, that, that flood water coming in using a thimble to try to get it out. Or it would be like Joanne trying to beat cancer, taking a different kind of vitamin. It just, it just doesn't work. When, it, when, it, when we try to make amends for our, for our sins, for our mess-ups, when it comes to God, we, we cannot do it. He is perfect. He is holy. He is 
righteous. And he made us. And so our sins are sins against him. And there's nothing we can do to clean that up. But God, in his great love for us, in his desire uh, to, to, to want to be with us, for us to, to be with him, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this world. And he lived our life, except he never made a mess. He, he never sinned the whole time. And when the time was right, Jesus gave himself over to human beings and we killed him on a cross and put him in a grave. But the blood that was poured out, his blood that was poured out, was the price that had to be paid so that our sins could be forgiven, so that our messes could be cleaned up. Now the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that man is destined to die once and after that face judgment. And so I've told you about that uh, battle with death already. We're all facing it, every one of us. But after that death, after that moment, then there's a meeting with God. A meeting in which we will have to account for our life. The Bible says every careless word we'll have to give an answer for. What, what will your answer be in that meeting? Will, will you tell God, you know, I, I tried to live the best life that I could. And I, know, I know I did some bad things, but I also did some good things. But you know, the only answer that will satisfy God's judgment in that meeting is Jesus. He is the only answer. So let me be a messenger to you today. Turn around. Turn around today. If you would do that, you're going to find Jesus standing right behind you. It, it might feel like you are miles away from God this morning. But if you turn around, you're going to find out he is right there behind you, ready to embrace you with his love you will have an encounter with hope. Now, there's a song that we sing a lot of times at, at Easter. Uh, it's called Because He Lives. And really, it's a song of hope. It proclaims our hope. And so I have some special people here that are going to come and sing that for you. And as, as you hear that song, sing along uh, if you know the words. But rejoice in and celebrate the hope that we have in Christ because that grave is empty. That hope we have that we have for today and for tomorrow and for the day of our death and the day or the moment right after. And if you don't have that hope this morning, consider turning around and Jesus will speak your name and you will see him as the resurrected Christ and have an encounter with hope. Hey, we are celebrating today for one reason. He is risen. He is risen indeed. <laughs> That's right. Before we sign off, I, I want to give you a chance uh, to trust in Christ today. You know, um, you think, how do I do that? Well, it, it just starts with a conversation. 
And I, I've written a, a, a prayer, and we're going to put it on the screen here. And I'm, I'm just going to pray it. And as we close the service, we're going to just go to an attitude of prayer. And as I pray these words, um, in the quietness of your heart, if you just pray them after me, um, you know what? You'll have an encounter with hope. And Jesus will embrace you with, with his love. And you will be a new person, forgiven of your sin. Because he's paid the price. And he's ready to come into your life today and lead you in a whole new way. So let's pray. Let's pray together. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, today I hear you calling me to turn around in my life and come to you. I believe Jesus has paid the price for my sins by dying on the cross. I believe he rose from the grave and is alive today. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I ask you to come into my life and fill me with your spirit. Help me to begin a new life as one of your followers. In Jesus' name, amen.